0: On today's episode, we're welcoming Jesse K. to the Snapback Chat pod. Jesse, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Jack. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. We are recording out of the Microsoft Studios inside the Microsoft flagship store in New York City. Very excited to have you here. Very cool venue as well. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, All right, so let's get into it. Before we kind of get into a few questions, kind of tell the audience what you do, how you became who you are, and tell us uh, once again how old you are.
1: So I'm 19. Um, I'm currently technically a sophomore in college, um, but sort of the more interesting side of me, um, I host a podcast called Trendsetters and also own my company, Viber Media, where we work with different pro athletes, businesses, and executives on their whole digital and social media platforms, anything from helping them grow and position their pages to monetizing through brand partnerships and sort of everything in between.
0: Very cool. So a lot of people we've talked to so far are using social media to do business, to create content. but more specifically, in like the sports world, and they are content creators. You are as well, but you're also helping other people become content creators. Talk about that a little.
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that athletes, and at large. Um, influencers or whatever you want to call them right now have is a leverage on social. Pretty much all of them, they have millions of followers and a lot of them are highly engaged followers and it's very hard to find that anywhere else. You look at a traditional business model and they'd have a big email list. An email list can be super valuable. You're not engaging with them enough as they are on social media. Social media, a professional athlete could be posting three times a day and they're getting 30,000 people looking at that every day. Um, So I think it's a huge opportunity for people to tap into and I think it's super, it's not done enough, especially by traditional agencies. I think a lot of these guys are sort of behind on the digital advertising. They're super focused on just the traditional appearance brand deals and traditional media when really they could be going behind the scenes and finding so much untapped space to uh,
0: make money for their clients, promote their clients, engage with their clients and more. Very cool. Um, Before we dive into Viber a little deeper, Let's start with like how you became who you are. So I know you were flipping shoes. You have this whole attitude of cold emailing to set up the pod. Talk about how you feel like an entrepreneur is kind of built inside of you and where you've come from to where you are today.
1: Yeah, I think at first off, I was super lucky to have a supportive family and a dad who is an entrepreneur, started his business right out of school 25 years ago, has been doing the same thing since. Just getting to see those sort of lessons and mentorship from him on what he did um, was invaluable to me. But then I started, I always had that sort of hustle spirit. I started flipping shoes on eBay when I was nine years old and I thought I was like a millionaire. I was making a couple grand and I was like, I'm a
0: millionaire. I mean, when you're nine, that is a millionaire. Yeah. To me,
1: (laughs) if I could buy more toys, I was thrilled Um, and baseball cards, whatever it was. So I did that for a couple of years, and then I did random business stuff, whether it was flipping shoes and clothes to selling lemonade or the basic stuff yeah. throughout my younger years. Um, and then I started my podcast junior year of high school. I was sitting in my entrepreneurship class, which I didn't really see much of a point of. I was <laughs> like, you can't learn how to be an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Um, but I took the class, um, and the main thing I did in the class was write a business model, and I realized all the kids in my class were super creative, had amazing ideas. Nobody knew how to take that first step, like go from zero to one, which is a great book by the way. I highly <laughs> recommend it. But nobody knew how to do that and I'd never read the book. Um, so I thought I'd try and interview successful entrepreneurs and just successful people who have gotten from zero to one in whatever their industry was and then reached the top. Obviously, I didn't have any way to get in touch with these people. I was trying to get super successful CEOs. So I just cold emailed. Um, I'm happy to go into that more in detail down the line. but. Come out, came up with a cold email template, made them personal for each person, and literally sent out like 300 cold emails a day, every day for six months, trying to get people on. Um, and that's why I got my first guest for the podcast, and eventually um, got people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Jack Dorsey. Who was the first guest? First guest ever. It was somebody from this group called NextGen, which mm-hmm. is a great young entrepreneurship community. It's either Ben Stern, who started this company called Nobo, who was on Shark Tank, an investor by uh invested by Mark Cuban. It was one of a couple mm-hmm. of those kids. All the first five episodes were like 18-year-olds. Yeah. I started under the name 20 Under 20s, interviewing successful young entrepreneurs, but then I ran out of young entrepreneurs, so that's when I needed to make mm-hmm. the pivot. But, in fact, Gary Vaynerchuk, Jack Dorsey, who started Twitter, um, sort of other people and eventually did an internship. So, yeah. so
0: now you have a bunch of social following of 30,000-some on Instagram, but you actually weren't using social media originally how kind of do you build out a listenership, right? So you put, you get this big guest, right? And now you have this podcast, awesome content. But what do you do with it? And how do you build to what is now tens of thousands of people listening in weekly?
1: It was terrifying because I was like, I, I'm getting these amazing guests. I don't want to waste their time. I want to get a good reputation so they were yeah. for their friends. Because if I could get some huge guests to say, hey, you should go on this kid's podcast, that's awesome. But if they come on and three people listen, like they're never going to say anything good or talk to me again. Um, A couple things. Number one was leveraging their audiences. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these guys, obviously, have huge followings. You look at Jack Dorsey has 4 million Twitter followers. Gary Vaynerchuk now has 7 million followers on Instagram. It's ridiculous. Um, So when I interviewed Gary, I was on his Daily V show or Mm -hmm. whatever that was. He also put something out when the podcast came out. So I tried to leverage my guests' social and give them all the assets and everything they'd ever need so all they need to do is hit post. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also tried to Create a nice like niche, like my. There weren't a ton of people that were Gen Zers interviewing successful entrepreneurs, and the hot thing at the time was how to get become an entrepreneur. So just latching onto the entrepreneurship community with a bunch of young high school and college kids by interviewing really big names ended up being super valuable.
0: Absolutely. So after, or you're still obviously doing the podcast, but from that experience, I assume it popped in your head okay, let's attack social media for what it is, the digital space. You start Viber Media. And you've worked with some crazy clients already. So talk a little bit about who you've worked with, what's been your best experience.
1: Yeah, so I started um, senior year of high school. I did sort of like a half internship program in my school. So I was at school till 11 a.m. Then I left and I interned for Brandon Steiner at Steiner Sports. And I pretty much built up his entire social media following. He's the CEO and founder of Steiner Sports, a sports memorabilia company. So that was my first experience. Um, But eventually, I realized that I could actually do this, like I had good results with him and other companies needed help. So throughout um, my experience, I've been able to work with a bunch of really, really cool clients ranging from Paul Rodriguez, the professional skateboarder, to Fanatics, to Steiner, obviously, did some work with the Knicks. and then just so many different companies, athletes. So literally the most random accounts. Like this one account called Bloody Tooth Guy. I wouldn't. If you get grossed out by stuff, do not check it out. This is a crazy account. It's, it's you show me this. Yeah, it has a hundred and five thousand followers of literally bloody teeth and oral surgery. <laughs> <laughs> but it's niche. But it's, it's niche. It is. So there's a wide spectrum but I'd say most of the stuff I do falls into the sports and
0: entertainment categories I actually want to talk a little bit about bloody tooth their yeah. bloody teeth guy not to give them all the free press in the world but yeah he'll be thrilled like that is a crazy concept right because the biggest issue is social media is it broadens your scope it broadens everything and it's good for the athletes if you're a Denver player now you're exposed to the whole country or even the world now but it's really this small pop and Shops. It's your local oral surgeon, or it's your local local market guy. Like, social media isn't going to be huge for them. They don't really even need to reach that that uh, national level. But you found a way for some things that are normally locked down into a specific neighborhood and took it big time. It, I mean, talk about that process.
1: Yeah, the place where I find it valuable for the like, who would ever think that a oral surgeon posting. He's anonymous too, yep. so like it's not like he's promoting his practice on there. Like nobody knows who he is, which is part of the thing. But I think the value to him is you can go the route of doing licensed goods and create merch and do some like he's obviously a dentist, so he uses like tools and do some licensed licensed tools. Like any industry you go in, there's people call it micro influencers. So we'll call him a micro influencer. But for every micro influencer, there's also a brand that's very the top brand in that space that no me or you wouldn't know about but everyone in that industry knows about and if you're the top influencer in that space they'll be all over you so leveraging the small relationships with the big players in that tiny space is super valuable
0: i feel like at some points it's almost more valuable than a lot of these influencers who are doing weight training or anything along those lines let's
1: say there's a 100 people in an industry versus 10 people in an industry I'd rather pick the guy in the smaller industry that has way bigger reach in Mm. his thing because I'd rather take 100,000 people that actually know a ton about your industry and are perfect fits as a person to reach out to than somebody with 10 million followers who goes across the sports, fitness, music, hip-hop space that doesn't really have a key focus.
0: Yeah, it's all segmented, targeting.
1: Like this guy's entire following is (laughs) dental patients, dental... uh, dentists, nurses, anyone that would ever buy product from one of these companies. So it's not like me or you isn't following this account unless we're just weird or creepy or gross. (laughs)
0: Um, All right, let's go back to sports. You have had – now you worked really hard to build Viber. You work with some really cool clients in the sports world, obviously something you're passionate about. And let's just get into the fun stuff. Like the reason you're in it is to have fun, It's to enjoy what you're doing. So, I mean, you've told me a bunch of stories, but tell me like your favorite story about how this world has connected you, not only in terms of business, but in terms of pleasure and enjoyment.
1: Yeah, I think one of the key things is if you could have fun doing what you're working, everyone always says that it, it's not really work and I don't feel like I'm doing a minute of work, which is really fun. Craziest stories. Probably two good stories um, that we've talked about before, but there's an SB story and then a helicopter story. Which one should I start with? Start with, uh,
0: I like the helicopter. All right, so
1: helicopter story, um, if anyone, you'll see it on, if you go to my Instagram and you look at the highlights, there's one I think it's titled, like, uh, Pats, Eagles, or NFL kickoff, you'll see it, but... The first day I worked with um, Michael Rubin, who was a client of mine who and owns the 76ers, Fanatics, Rule Allah, The Devils, pretty much everything. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing okay. Um, I He was like, meet me at my office in Philly. We're going to go up to uh, the Patriots game. And I was like, I'm going to go down to Philly to go up to... <laughs> he's like, yeah, trust me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> this is the first day I'm working with the guy. So I go down uh get to his office sign some paperwork or whatever and then walk outside there's a helicopter sitting out there i get in michael's there and joel and sitting like right across from me like i'm here and joel and sitting where you are yeah. um and obviously i'm sitting across from him. his legs are very big i don't have a ton of space <laughs> but it was one of the craziest days of my life i was thinking i'm getting paid to sit in a helicopter with joel and go to the patriots game do some content and do some work but then like hang out Um, So that was
0: so much fun, and then the ESPYs story. Where did you watch the game from? Didn't you watch it from? I watched
1: it from a box.
0: Yeah, which was sick. That's cool.
1: Um, And then the ESPYs story. I was out in LA in July for the ESPYs, and through a combo of weird introductions and meeting people, I ended up going on the red carpet at the ESPYs. Then went to the show, had amazing seats. and went to the ESPN after party, but the crazy one was LeBron and uninterrupted were having a after party after the ESPN one. I think at uh, Hollywood Club or whatever it was, and I went, and it was just I have the list on my phone because I was like, "This is insane <laughs> of who is here." But like the people there were the entire women's national
0: team was there. LeBron was there, Paul George. And this was there. is right after they win the right World after, Cup, and, and yep,
1: they flew directly.
0: And I just think it's cool because. You you're working technically working, but like that's why social media has become such a big thing. It is introducing you to opportunities that were just never available before. Never existed. And I think it's important to go back a little. So what's that timeline look like? Like what do you have to do for who? Which client that led to this? That led to Michael. That leads to. Being on his helicopter across from Joe L M B. So it's
1: crazy. It's a combo of random things that come together that end up working out. So I met. Try, so I met my first client through um, a guy I had on my podcast, Mikey mm. Taylor. Um, for my first big client, so I had clients, but not my first athlete, athlete client, which was Paul Rodriguez. So I had this guy, Mikey Taylor, who's a pro skateboarder on my podcast. He's like, "You should talk to my friend Paul." I had never heard of him, but apparently, he was a big deal in skateboarding, which I'd later find out. <laughs> Um, I interviewed Paul for my podcast I told him a little bit about what I do he's like let's test it out work with him introduce me to other people mm-hmm. and then I think one day we were reaching out to a bunch of athletes to try and do some collaborations we've done we did stuff with Jock Peterson Jack Saw, a whole bunch of different pro athletes and I think we accidentally sent a message to Michael Rubin mm-hmm. um, because maybe he was in our list of like athletes and they he, I got put in touch with Michael's guy they mentioned they were looking for um, that Michael's trying to start something and eventually I just got in touch with their people and it's just the weirdest combo of things that led to that happening.
0: Yeah, that is wild. Um, so we've talked about a lot of the positives and now since you've had so much success with the podcast, like you said, leveraging audiences, you now have your own content on your Instagram, jessek right? 11 right?
1: J-E-S-S-E dot K-Y-11. Not outstanding content, but good content. You
0: have content, but now you understand. So as much positive that comes from it, do you have, whether it's your own personal or your clients, see the negative and like want to speak on how you deal with it, how you advise them to deal with it?
1: Yeah, just the negatives of social... Yeah, and, yeah you know, the
0: negatives of social, just social comments, DMs for no reason that are saying, you know, F you yeah. or whatever. I mean,
1: I think that's just one of the things you expect in life. There's already enough negativity. The second you get on a platform where people can comment from behind the scenes of yeah. a hidden profile picture or not a name, you have to expect it. Um, most of the athletes I've ever worked with don't really look at the comments because they know that they're going to be full terrible stuff. Um, the way I handle it is like... I guess any attention's sorta of cool. Like if somebody's <laughs> taking the time to say some negative stuff about you, I guess they care enough about you. But I sort of just tune it out. It's like yeah. someday something cool Do to you it,
0: ever respond?
1: No, I don't think it's worth it. yeah. I did when I was younger. I was yeah. I mean I'm nineteen, but when yeah. I was like seventeen I was like, Screw you, I'm yeah. gonna go at you but no, I just don't think it's worth it. Like why would I be wasting time, effort, power to just respond back to somebody whose mind isn't gonna change or clearly doesn't really care.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the irony is that and when I talked to like Los or some of the other people on the podcast, they were like, um, if you do respond, you think they don't care, but it's actually like your big fans half the time and they're just, they're going negative and big. They want the response. And I've, I always say like, well, if you want a response, just say, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan. This is amazing. Whatever. i respond
1: to you 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> right.
0: Not like, if you're saying terrible stuff. Right. Okay. And then the irony or the funny part is you respond being like, well, why? Why do you feel that way? And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm kidding. A huge fan and then that's attention. guaranteed to never get a response. So it is crazy, but definitely something that people with a following have to deal with. Uh, where do you go from here? So you've built, I mean, you're 19. You've built... A very cool company, I like to call it cool. I yeah, don't really I like care that. about successful. You neither, cool sounds good to me. <laughs> um, Cause we're kids, but where do you go from here? Who's the client, like, are you booking LeBron James as a client next, like what is the Anyone's it go-
1: got LeBron as a plug or Matt Carter, give me a
0: call. <laughs> um, I'd say
1: a couple things. So one of the unique things I think about me compared, and you compared to a bunch of my entrepreneurial friends is you went to college, I'm mm-hmm. still in college. Um, It's sort of been something in my head that if I can balance both, I'll do it. That's what I'm in now. Um, So hopefully finish out school. But I think the long-term goals for me is like continue to build what I'm doing now, continue to build the relationships and sort of see where it goes. I'm not in a rush. That's the cool part of being young is like, I don't have the family to feed. I don't like.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like it's a ton of fun what I get to do every day, and I love it. I don't know if this will be what I do in 10, 15 years, but right now, working with more ath—really af- anything that's in the athletic or entertainment space—is a ton of fun to me. Um, and that's sort of where I'm at right now. I like talking about the work I get to do. The podcast is a blast for me. I get to have some awesome guests. I had you on mm-hmm. last week, um, and then I talk on like other stuff. I like talking about. Um, anxiety and sort of my ADD and sort of what I talked about how I dealt with that when I was younger. That's something that resonates with a bunch of kids, especially entrepreneurial ones. So really seeing where it goes.
0: Yeah, I was listening to that episode with your dad. It's a heavy one, but it's it's cool. Like, I mean, you see that happening now in sports with the mental health is becoming a thing. Yesterday, even they released a thing on Kyrie is having mood swings and people don't like it. But you could have framed that in a much better way. And it's not to say that Kyrie has or doesn't have a mental health issue, but it's just that stigma around it. And now at least Kevin Love has broken that a little. You're helping do that in a different sense of the world. Um, I think that's cool. Another thing for kids, um, I'm going to ask you your advice at the end of the podcast, but... Talk about, like me and you, we always discuss college, right? And how everyone needs a degree technically to get these big jobs, but the value it it really brings. And you've built a a company even before you've used the skills and learning that you might take in from college. So give me your viewpoint on what's the biggest takeaways from actually going to college, why you're staying in it, why you might consider leaving.
1: So I think traditionally and continuing through this day, if you're trying to be a doctor, be on Wall Street, be a lawyer, college is a necessity. Um, anything to stop. Yeah,
0: you can't really teach yourself how to do surgery yeah, off YouTube. If I go into a,
1: because it's weird, like you go into a business thing and you don't care where the person went to school if they own a company. Right. But if I went into a doctor's appointment and they say, hey, you can pick this dude that didn't go to college, this dude that like went to community college, but he, he kind of got a degree. Or this dude that went to Harvard
0: Medical. Like, who do you right. want to have your
1: surgery? Like, I'm picking the Harvard dude 10 out of 10 times. Until
0: he charges you 100 times. Until he charges times. you
1: 100 times what everyone else does. So it's like, that's the place where college still does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at other industries where it really doesn't. For one, um, somebody who I just said on my podcast, a good friend of mine, Josh Lafazan, he's the Nassau County legislator. He's the youngest elected official ever in New York. He started in community college. Went for two years, but nobody really knows that unless he talks about it because then he transferred into Cornell and then got a grad degree from Harvard. So, like, it's not where you start. It's where you finish in that space. But my thoughts on college are I think it's more valuable to me, at least why I decided to go, was I'm never getting these years back. Like, you could do everything, but you can never go back. Sure, you can go back and take college classes. You're never going to be a 19,
0: Like Antonio Brown. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how that goes. But
1: you could never be a 19, 20, 21-year-old in college again. Um... And I think it's just really good for developing as a person. Um, You get to meet cool people. It's a different experience. Um, I think the classes are cool, but less relevant. Like the coursework, I can really learn elsewhere. I think it's just the character building and just the actual journey of being in college
0: and going through that experience. Have you had to take any social media classes or gotten to take, like I was taking some and they're teaching like Facebook. Yeah, And that's not really the platform so that, that people funny, are gonna be on. Here's a
1: funny story, the one class that I took was that was similar to it, it was an information systems class but it tied in digital marketing. And let's just say I didn't have a great relationship with the professor, <laughs> every other class I've done really well. That class is the only class in my entire 18 years of life that I've ever failed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one you're building a your business on. So it's like, you never know. Yeah. Um, hopefully, over the next year or two, I start taking more specific classes. Because you have to knock out all the, like, gen right. ed classes. The right. English, the
0: math, the stats. And it's like, that's not the most fun stuff, but it's just part of the process. Yeah, I'm always thinking about, like, if there's a better curriculum a than taking because I can learn, I still think it is important to learn about science and learn about math and foreign languages because you learn culture. You There's different ways to intake that I knowledge. I don't think
1: you need to take physics right. or any of those classes, if you're a business major, music right. major, whatever you are, there's, I think there's a more tailored way to do it than a one-size-fits-all.
0: Absolutely. Um, Alright, so a lot of young people listening to the pod, of course, and I think based off other guests we've had on who are crushing it in terms of their own personal content, and then they figure out how to do the business side you've done the business side through content do you have any advice now for our younger audience to really leverage uh, or you're an example of leveraging your relationships to do what you love and you know make money off of it while we had content creators for themselves who have learned how to monetize their content but what would your overall advice be to a kid listening to this podcast or even someone who still wants to pursue their dreams using social media at this point in time
1: so i think a couple of things that i want to hit on i think Using social media is now given the opportunity to anyone to do something. Anyone or H can do anything. You can become viral on TikTok overnight. Mm. You can create content and get big that way.
0: Shout out at Whistle on TikTok.
1: Big Whistle fan. (laughs) Um, You could start anything. Like if you have a Wi Fi connection, a phone or a laptop you can do anything literally like there's no barriers holding you back anymore which is amazing and it's something i take for granted and i'm sure we all do but it's there i'd say my biggest advice for young people is the advice that i wish i gave myself at a younger age was just start now like i waited too long and it's one of my biggest regrets like i wish i started my business when i was 12 like i don't know it's (laughs) like I, i think we have the opportunity to do stuff and There's never going to be a perfect time to do it. A lot of people wait for a perfect moment or the stars to align to start their business or start their journey. Do it and find a mentor. One of the biggest things was finding awesome people as mentors, and a lot of them are super willing and happy to help. So reach out. See how you can help them. Lead first with how you can help, not what can you take. And uh, try and start a thing today. If I can ever help, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'd love to.
0: I think my favorite thing about the podcast and interviewing all these different types of minds who have killed it in a bunch of fields is that at the end, they always give the most cliche advice, but that's not like cliche is a, a bad word and people think of it poorly. It's just true. Like everyone keeps saying the same thing, work hard, start something, do your thing. And it's just... When you've become successful doing something, it's for those reasons that people are saying do these things. People say it a lot
1: because it's true. Because
0: it works. So thank you for coming on to the Snapback chat uh, from the Microsoft Studios, from the Microsoft flagship store in New York City. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for having me on,
0: Jack. Appreciate it.